Well, good evening to you. Thank you, thank you for coming again. Still, you just keep coming. A great group. Um, this has been a very, very special week. The Lord, you know, the Lord talks to everyone. He's convicting the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. He, is, he talks from the inside out to the church. He knocks at the door of the church. But I need to tell you, there's a whole bunch of folks that I've got to meet. And by looking at the general picture, there's a lot of people who are listening and hearing and responding. And I'm just so thrilled, delighted to be with your pastor. Had no idea it would be this much fun. He's a good guy. I didn't know what I'd run into. but It's great to be with you. Thank you. Thank you all. Absolute delight. And I... Debbie and I will look forward to hearing reports of what's happening among you. Well, tonight, let's continue on. We've been standing a while. Would you one more time read with me this text? We know that we've come to know him if we keep his commands. If you were here last night, you understand how this can be very possible now because nothing can prevent you from making a holy resolve to do whatever Jesus says through the Scripture, by His Spirit, nothing can keep you from that. See, And God sees the heart. Man looks on the outward. So that's entirely, entirely doable in this moment if you have not made a holy resolve to do whatever Jesus says. And that's what Christians do. That's the change. That's repentance. That's entering the kingdom of God. Let's go ahead. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Do you know Jesus? But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. We are the body of Christ. Our words are to be the words of Christ. Our acts are to be the acts of Christ. Not, not just looking at a behavioral standard, but from within, guided by the Spirit, as Jesus himself was led by the Spirit. So we have the provision and the expectation of being led by the Spirit rather than being governed by the flesh, which is precisely how the world lives their lives. But we're different, aren't we? We're different. So, real quickly... I think I'll take a moment. How did Jesus live? Well, not all that complicated. He spent a lot of time with his Father. We tonight could make a holy resolve to spend better, even more time alone with our Father. That's why we were made for a relationship with God. So we could set our will to do that. See if we would. And then Jesus, all day long, whatever happened to him, Jesus had such close Awareness of, sensitivity to his Father, that he never practiced aloneness. He always practiced we-ness. It was never me, it was we with Jesus. So whatever he did, he could say, my Father and I are doing this. He waited on the Father to know what the Father wanted him to do. Whatever he said, he said, my Father has given this to me to say. He didn't even come to conclusions on his own. Jesus would see things, he wouldn't make a judgment... Until he went to the Father and says, what is your judgment? And so, in doing, he had the mind of God persistently and 
consistently. So, then Jesus, and we could... I'm committed to that with all I have come so terribly short. Have you all heard me say that? Over and over? Come so very far short. But my will is set to follow Jesus, to walk the way He walked. And my Father knows that. And He just just talks to me and shows me, you're not... That's not it. And I say, yes, Lord. And then Jesus, if we're going to walk as he walked, he was led by the Spirit. He wasn't the leader. He was the follower. Jesus was the greatest follower that ever lived. Did you know that? He followed the Spirit of his Father. And and we tonight, we could make a holy resolve. Is that word okay? Holy resolve? Does that sound weird? Holy resolve. We could say, Lord, I'm determined not to walk by the flesh, but to be led by your Spirit. It's one thing to be full of the Spirit, another thing to be led. The Holy Spirit does not force you to follow, typically. He could, easily. He could turn you into a golden calf if he wanted to. Right? But see, (laughs) he leads. We learn to follow. And it's a great learning process, and I'm terribly concerned... Because in the church, we, we, we don't have the processes in place to coach us. This is far more than being lectured at, and I'm not putting a bad picture of that, but this is about being helped and coached. This is like, this is like forgive me, this is like in basketball. The coach doesn't stand up and say, now here's how you hold the ball and here's how you shoot, now go play the game. You go out in the, and you practice, and you practice, and you practice. You got me? You practice. In the church, we don't practice well. We just say, sick them. That's why we need to be discipled. That's being coached to know and follow Jesus. And we're not doing a real good job of discipling. We're doing a lot of work teaching. But there's a big difference between teaching and discipling. Huge difference. Infinitely more to be discipled than to be taught. So whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Jesus, therefore, was holy and Jesus walked in power, which I didn't get to talk about with you. I would like to, but we didn't have time. So tonight I want to continue on with a continuation from last night. And we said another way that Jesus walked is he made disciples. Last night we got to start on this and everything in me wants to review those. I'm not going to because of time. But I want to review those because I doubt when I went through them so quick last night that they stuck. But that's okay. We'll trust. So it says, as you're going, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. And now I wonder, do you know what Jesus said next? Teaching them to obey. What what, what, what was Jesus telling Peter, James, and John that they would do with their disciples? What, what did he teach them? What, what were they to teach them to obey? Do you know? Oh, some of you have read it. Everything I've commanded you. Everything. Tonight I'm going to make one point and tell one story. But it's a long story. But it's a good story. Now, I've got lots of really bad stories. If you'd like to hear them, we can stay till midnight. I'm going to tell you a good story tonight, all right? Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Everything. Jesus, we're here to hear you. We're we're listening for what the living God, by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, even through the body, is saying to us. Thank you that you'll help us. So, teaching them to obey everything? Well, that's a lot of commands. Jesus was a great commander, you know. He's a commander-in-chief. But, but, but let me share a couple of them. For example, one of them, you've heard it before. 
Now, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the first commandment. That's just the first one. <laughs> oh, that's easy. We'll, we'll get that done in a hurry. Um, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, I'm not, I don't want to scare you, but everybody lift your right hand. I'm not, you're not making a pledge. You just lift your right hand. Okay, most of you with me? Some don't have a right hand, I guess. Anyhow, um, uh, thank you. Now we're getting with it. Okay, good. Uh, that took strength. Okay, here's another one. Everybody wink at No, you don't. But uh, blink your eyes. That took strength. All your strength? All your strength? That's everything. That's everything. That's all we are. <laughs> we'll, we'll teach these youngins to do that quickly, won't we? We're to make disciples. See, I'm talking about those we're helping. Well, that might, take, that might take some work. Jesus spent three years, most of the time, with his disciples. Three years. It's going to take a while to get some of this done that we're, people we're working with. Teach them to obey everything. Well, that would include another commandment. Uh, let's see. That would be uh, uh, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. You know, I've fed myself a couple times today. I made sure I had a ride, and I made sure... I took pretty good care of myself today. I wonder what it means to love my neighbor the way I love myself. Hmm. That's, re- that, that's, that's really something. Loving God with all your heart, that's motive. Everything you do is for the Lord. Loving my neighbor as much as I love me. Oh, that's, we'll get that done in two weeks probably. Helping others, won't we? No, it's going going to be some work. I could go through a lot of commands, but let me go to just one more. There's one more command that Jesus gave. In fact, it's what, we have a name for it. It's a command, as far as I know, it's the only time Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I want you to go and to make disciples. Is that a promise? No, the promise comes later. I'll be with you. It's a command. It's one of Jesus' commands. It's not a suggestion. Go. Imperative. Commandment. That's one of Jesus' commands. And so what that means is that after I've baptized people in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, the people who are lost and I've loved them, I've, 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 I've poured out Jesus' love and truth, I've baptized them, I've immersed them in a new culture, bringing Jesus to them. If you were here last night, you understand what I'm talking about. I, I, after I've baptized them and baptized them, till finally we have a conversation about why I baptize them, and I get to witness to them why I am different, why I loved them when they weren't loving to me, why I had faith when the storm was on, why I did slander the boss and they keep wondering about me and I get to witness to them that it's really not me but it's someone in me I don't live by myself there's someone else in me and they look at me and I say yeah really actually Jesus has come to live in my life and he's transformed me you should see what I used to be like and they say really that's really and then I get to lead them into relationship with a person named Jesus so now the evangelistic part of making disciples is done so I baptize them and baptize them until they come into the family of God does it do you have to keep Bringing them in the environment of Christ once they become Christians or do we need to quit baptizing them after they become Christians? Keep it up. 
See, that's why the church of Jesus, what, what happens here? Oh, when we come to church, we don't come to church to get fed. We come to church to make disciples while we're being fed, right? Because we're commissioned with Jesus. That's all from last night. Sorry, I'm starting to review. Shouldn't do that. Okay. But, but we, we, we just keep bringing people in where we baptize one another in the goodness, the grace, the kindness, the gentleness of Jesus. Everybody with me? And that just helps people because we do get transformed by the environment that we're, that we're baptized in. Everybody with me? From last night, we get transformed by being in an environment that's unintentional or might be intentional, but it's informal discipling. So we, we get them coming, and now we're baptizing them as believers, and now we're teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. We've got to help them love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've got to help them love their neighbors as much as themselves. That means we have to help them be baptized in Jesus and baptize others. And oh yeah, we, we're not through until we've helped them make disciples. Right? Because Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Track with me now. This is going to be a little hard. What this is saying is that everyone in the church, in a biblically functioning church, is to be loved, coached, cared for, taught. I'll, we'll talk. Taught, taught to obey. Quit bringing your marbles to church. Quit running out in the street in front of traffic. Last night, okay. Taught to obey. Everything I've commanded you, everything, oh, that includes make disciples. The church is supposed to have, the biblical church is supposed to have a process whereby not just one or two or four, but everyone is on a track to being coached, shaped, until they are able to put their arms on someone else and bring them along and coach them until they coach them to bring someone else along. Everyone in the church is supposed to mature Normal, normal Christianity is everyone is making disciples. But we're very far from normal. Now, we've had such a good time up to this point. And I'm going to ruin it all in the last night. The normal church. But there, we're not normal. We, we've been off course for quite a while. I won't go through church history to explain it. 1,700 years we've been behind the eight ball. We haven't been doing what Jesus said. A lot of times, in fact, we're doing all sorts of things that Jesus hasn't commanded us to do in the church. And that takes all the time and energy and keeps us from doing the one thing Jesus explicitly told us to do as the church, which is what he did and commanded, and that is to make disciples who make disciples. Everybody with me? I'm not asking if you agree. I ask, do you understand? Now, I'm really saying a terrible thing to your pastor and your staff members, your board members, because they're the human leaders in the church and they are terrifyingly responsible for this process and, and if, if somehow and, and you, you make disciples very slowly it's a hands on it's a relationship you can't make disciples fast you make them slow you can't make, make many disciples you can only make a few because it's, it's, it's about relationship it's about listening and, and we all get so discouraged and frustrated we just give up and quit somehow there's got to be a process in place where from the center of the church out there's a quiet, nobody even knows about it probably, process going on where people are being matured to a certain level until they're ready to help others. And I mean coaching, helping others. I'd like to talk about how much harder that is. It's harder to, to make disciples than it is to be a disciple. So we need more coaching in making disciples than in being disciples. Everybody awake? Forgive me, I'm just muttering here. You don't have to pay attention to this if you don't want to. The poor pastor is fighting 1,700 years of tradition 
And he's called in obedience to Jesus to start somehow a process whereby over time, decades, the church will be transformed from mostly programs into mostly relationships and everybody knows that they were coaching and coaching and coaching until they were ready to coach others but they got coached and coaching others. They were discipled to make disciples. And if, if we're not doing that, we're disobeying Jesus. Okay? okay? Now, having said all that, I beg you, your pastor is one of the new joys in my life and I'm pleading with him to please, please go slow. Let the Lord give you what is for you. I beg all of you, please pray for your pastor, your staff, and your board members, the, the leaders, the, the ones God has appointed to give leadership to the congregation. Please pray for them. They have a terrifyingly difficult task. I'm talking about big change. <laughs> big change. But it's slow change. It's quiet. And probably you won't even know it's happening. Till all of a sudden, you look around. And there's so much more praise. And there's celebration. There's thanksgiving. The, the conversation changes. You'll be shocked. And, and I want to tell you a story to prove my point. All right? The one point tonight is in the church, that from the center out, there has to be a process where everyone, sooner or later, you can't do it all at once yet because it's a one-on-one process, very slow. Everyone has the opportunity, if they will, to be being coached to not just be a disciple, but to be a disciple maker. And if we're not doing that, we're disobeying Jesus. That's the point. Let me tell you a story. It's a lot more fun than this. All right? You're all very serious. Is that because I'm being serious? It's all right. You're thinking with me. Thank you. So, I want to just, just wrap up. And Debbie and I were engaged. We're going to be married in a month. I got called to be a pastor. I heard the Lord call me, and I won't go through that story, but so I turned on a dime. She thought she was marrying a coach and a, a math teacher, and boom, I asked her if she'd be willing to consider it if I changed directions, and she graciously said, well, let's, yeah, let's do it. So I became a pastor, but it took six years before I started pastoring from that time. I did not want to pastor as I had seen it done. I, I told you who were here last night a little bit about the kind of church I grew up in. And, and, and I was petrified of being a pastor, at least as I had seen it. But I said, Jesus, if you will, if you will show me, if you will help me understand how it is that you want me to pastor, I will do that regardless of the cost. But I don't want to assume that what I've seen is what you want because what I've seen, I, I didn't feel good about it. And so... So I set out to find out how Jesus would pastor. Before it was cool to ask the question, what would Jesus do? You know, that, that hasn't been always cool. Um, but, but before that, I said, Jesus, I don't want to pastor except as you did. And so I started studying Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I went nuts for the next six years um, in, in studying. I had one year of a contract already signed. And then two years as a youth pastor. And then three years in seminary. And, and I spent those six years, every way I could, studying, oh, Jesus... How do you want me to be a pastor? You've called me. I'm scared, but I will follow you. I'll step out of the boat. I'm going to, I, I, I'm going to trust you to keep me going, but, but I need you to show me. So I studied hard, and I discovered some things that I've already talked to you about a little bit. I discovered about Jesus and his time with the Father. I, I didn't know that. I discovered about how Jesus would do nothing apart from God. I didn't know that about Jesus, but I discovered some other things about Jesus. I discovered that, amazingly, he, he had so much to do 
and yet he stayed up all night and prayed and selected 12 to be with him. And he always had these country bumpkins hanging out with him. We gave him a name. It was a common thing back then, disciples. And so, so back then when I was studying this in the church, the church I was a part of, Everybody knew who the disciples were, and they knew precisely how many there were. There were 12, and then Judas messed up, and that made 11. And then they selected another one they never heard again, so there was 11 or 12, and that's all there were. That's, that's who the disciples were. They lived 2,000 years ago. But, but I discovered that Jesus not only made disciples, but then he said that his disciples were to make disciples and began discovering that that was supposed to be happening now. And, and so then it dawned on me, though I didn't have a grid for it, nobody discipled me. That wasn't even language we used back then. And, and, but I said, okay. I was young and, you know, how young people. So I said, we'll go for it. So I spent the next six years studying that stuff. I went through seminary. And in seminary, it's kind of like this. If I, if I was, the course was the book of Ezra, I'd study how they made disciples in Ezra's life. I mean, you know, if it was a course in church history, how they made disciples through church history. I mean, I was just, I just was all over this. I had to figure out how to make disciples. And by the time I got through reading and rereading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John primarily, I had a stack of yellow notepads filled with all the things that Jesus did to make disciples. And so I, had, I was nearing the end of seminary, and I had this massive long list, and so I knew I was about ready to start pastoring, so I had to kind of organize it. So I took all those notes and notes and notes and notes that I had, and I began to organize them, and I said, well, that's that, and that's that. And so I came up with eight principles that I stole from Jesus, watching what he did with Peter, James, and John. And, and, but principles are no good, they're just ideas, and I should put them into practice. So I said, how can I do that practically? And I, I, from my eight principles, I developed three strategies, or three ministries. Out of the eight principles, out of all that I took from Jesus, with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you'll have to know that for over 40 years, I had this in my soul, that I had to do this... <coughs> Because that's what Jesus called me to. And I had lived with it. And, and I knew, I could have been wrong, but I knew what I'd found in Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so there's deep conviction in me, not only to make disciples, but how to do it. Because I had my three practices that came from the eight principles that came from all that Jesus did. So I was just following Jesus in my mind. Well, graduate from seminary, we get called the East Coast to come interview. So, we go to the East Coast to interview, and, and they have a pretty unusual board. It was a church of about 120 people, and kind of unusual. There was a doctor who was, the, he was a teaching doctor. He taught other doctors how to be doctors. There was, a, there was a guy who was a Ph.D. in mathematics, and he was the head of the math ed department at Temple University. There was a lawyer. So, I, I'm back there meeting with these, this board, and... and and I'm looking at these guys, and some have been in the church a long time, and I just said, you know, uh, I, I'm weird. Uh, you probably don't want me to come. They said, oh, that's a great way to start an interview. And I said, yeah, l- let me tell you, if I come here, here, and I told them the story I just told you. And I said, if I come, uh, I, I'll have to do things differently. I mean, uh, uh, I'll have to give a lot of energy to first being a disciple of Jesus. And I told him what that, and, and then I'll have to give a lot of energy to making disciples of Jesus. And I'll, I'll try to do what we typically do, but I know I won't be able to do it all. And, and, and furthermore, I, I'm going to need to ask you guys. There were no women on that board. I, I'm, I'm going to need to ask you guys to help me. And I, I'm going to ask you to give time to what I'm called to do 
which is to make disciples. And so it means I want to work with you and coach you in being a disciple of Jesus and coach you to make disciples. And, and, and I was sure that, that, you know, that that was it. And one guy, I think it was a lawyer, he, he didn't say it exactly like this, but he kind of said, well, <clears throat> what we're doing now ain't working. Might as well give it a try. He didn't say it quite like that, but that was the message. It took him a half hour to say it. So anyhow, <clears throat> did I say that? That wasn't the Holy Spirit. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so they said, come. So we went, New Jersey. And so it, it was going really well. We got there, and so I came up to couple number one, and I said to them, would you be willing to let us come to your house every week for an hour and a half? And they said, huh? Pastoral call? No, well, not really. What are we going to do? I said, well, what we'll do is... We'll meet with Jesus together, and I'll lead it for a while, and I'll coach you until you get down how to hear the Lord and see the Lord and, and know how to relate to Him, and, and then what He's calling you to do each week, and, and we'll talk about what He wants you to do with Him, or what He wants you to do with your family, what you want to do with lost people, and what you do in the church, and, and then we'll talk about how we're doing it. And, and when you get really committed to that, and it's in you, and you buy it, and it's, your life is all for Jesus, then we'll change roles. Instead of me leading the meeting, I'll ask you to lead it. And, and you lead me, and I'll try to mess you up and cause questions, problems for you, but you lead me. And as you get a hang for it and you feel good doing for me what I did for you, well, then we'll invite, we'll invite your kids in, maybe invite some neighbors, maybe put them in church, and you, you'll plant a church in your house, and you'll be the pastor. But really, what you'll do is you'll be making disciples of Jesus. How's that sound? You know what they said? Okay. Are you kidding? Yeah. I said, we'll plant a church in your house. And you be, you're okay with that? Well, yeah. Okay. So, so I'm feeling pretty good. So I go to another couple. Hey, and I talked to them, same speech. You know what they said? Okay. And I went to, I went to 10 couples. It wasn't 12. I, I didn't, if Jesus took 12, I'd only better try 10. So, so I went to 10 couples. All 10 of them said yes. So Debbie and I started, and we took a... Debbie's amazing. Some of them had to drive up to New York City to get there in time for work, and so some of them we met at 4.30 in the morning. Some of them were doctors, and they couldn't meet till 9 o'clock at night, and so we just met with them whenever we could. And there we were. Debbie had to get before 4.30 in the mornings to go with me, and she did. I mean, it's amazing. She's been going with me ever... It's crazy. She just, she just stays with me, no matter what I do. Until, I need to tell you, until she, you know, we had triplets. I mean, she had triplets. And then she, she quit going with me. <laughs> and we had to take five people from the church to help her because I was gone. Don't tell anybody I said that. So there we are having the time of our life and good things are happening in just a few months. I mean, I can tell you about Harry and Mary. They have 40 people coming to their house church. I can tell you stories of pastors who come out of that who, who are total pagans who came out little house church and Teachers at our Bible college. I mean, fun. And here, here's Ron. I won't tell you the stories, but we had a whole bunch of little churches planted with lay pastors that I called disciple makers. <laughs> we were having so much fun. But then again, I was supposed to be pastoring the church. You know, they, you know, pastors don't get paid to make disciples. They get paid to do what pastors do, right? So, so I was trying to keep up, and I wasn't doing a very good job of it. And about 3 o'clock every Sunday morning, I finally crashed into bed. So tired I couldn't keep my eyes. Set the alarm for 6 o'clock, and then get ready to preach. I mean, finish up getting ready to preach, or whatever is there it came. You know, there we go. So, but we were happy. We were excited. We were pumped. 
It, we were having the time of our lives. The dream was happening. It was exploding. So one Sunday morning, I'm standing right over here. Now, this wasn't near as big as your building, but it was configured the same way. I'm standing right here with an aisle. Then shoes over here. And I'm standing right here before church. It's 10 minutes to 11. I'm standing right here, and all of a sudden I hear this terrible sound. Everybody, get ready. I'm going to make a terrible sound, okay? Don't, you can plug your ears if you want. Everybody ready? Here we go. This is New Jersey. And I hear this terrible sound. It goes like this. Pasta! And I jumped. Now, you know what pasta is, don't you? It's not white stuff that you put red sauce on. That's pasta. Pasta, yeah. Pasta is the guy in New Jersey who preaches. Yeah, that's pasta. Pasta you eat. Pasta is a pasta. Anyhow, so... So I jumped, and it was Bill, he's brand new, he just started coming to church, had long stringy hair that he never washed, and, and he was putting stuff inside his body that he shouldn't have been, so you could smell him come, he didn't take baths, and he, we called him hippies, you wouldn't know what that is, but anyhow, he, he came, he and his wife Kathy had just started to come to the church, and, and she was a nice little Baptist girl, and she drug him to church with her, and, and, and they just started coming, and I didn't hardly know him, but I knew his name was Bill, and so he comes up and he hollers at me, and, and I said, Bill, please, please. We need to be quiet. Now, now don't tell me when I said this, but in New Jersey, they talk loud. Did you know that? Anybody here from New Jersey? Oh, no. Oh, dear. I'm in trouble. Is it true? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Could you all hear him? Yeah. Okay. So, um, there we are. It's time for the service starts. And he hollers at me. I, I said, Bill, please, what, what's up? And he said, Kathy and I have been talking. And I said, well, that's good what you've been talking about. He said, well, well, we want you to disciple us the way you're, you're doing those other couples. And I thought to myself, well, Jesus selected his disciples. But I didn't tell him. Um, so I'm trying to think, oh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm going, and then, then all of a sudden I had an idea, and since then I thought it was a good idea. I said, hey, Bill, tell you what, how about this? Um, I'm pretty tight, but, but if there's any way that you would, how about you invite your friends, and I knew who his friends were, how about if you invite your friends to come to your house? And if you can get your friends to come to your house, I'll come, and we'll start a church in your house, and, and I'll lead it, and we'll just see where it goes from there. And he said, well, why should I tell them to come? I said, uh, tell them we're going to talk about Jesus. He said, okay. And I walked away saying, <laughs> took care of that issue. Well, two weeks later, guess what happened? I'm a creature of habit. Standing right here, 1050, Sunday morning. Any idea what happened? Uh-huh. Are you ready? Here we go. Pasta! Bill, I told you, please. What's up? He said, they're coming. I said, who's coming? He said, the people. What people? The people you told me to invite. Oh, really? To your house? Yeah. When? Tuesday. Oh, really? Oh, 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 good. <laughs> Way to go, Bill. <laughs> oh, I'll be there. So, Tuesday night, I show up at Bill and Kathy's house. Never been there before. Um, Kathy's a nurse, used all of her energy working. Bill didn't have a job. He didn't clean the house. He took care of the house kind of the way he took care of himself. It was an absolute, it, it wasn't a nice place to have church. You walk in, hmm, my, my goodness. And, and, and I mean, it wasn't, it, it wasn't very nice. Have you ever heard of a fixer-upper? Well, this didn't qualify. <laughs> so, so, so I walk in, and here's all these kids, six kids, plus Bill and Kathy sitting there, and they're sitting around, and so I say, okay, good, well, let's start, and I said, now, Bill told you 
why we were meeting, didn't he? And they said, no. I said, he didn't, he didn't tell you what we were going to do? They said, no. I looked at Bill and said, yeah. But I didn't say anything. So I said, well, what I told him to do is just invite you. I said, we'll just talk about Jesus. And they looked at me. And I said, it, it, it'll be all right. It won't hurt. It's fine. Because it's not a test. I, 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 let's just talk about Jesus. I know you've heard about Jesus. I'd love to know what you know about Jesus. I'd love to just hear what you know about him. So tell me something you know about Jesus. Dead quiet. I waited. I, no, it's, it's okay. Don't, don't, don't be afraid. You won't get it wrong. and Nobody's spanking. Dead quiet. So I thought it'd help me a little bit. I said, well, you know about Jesus. Let me give you, you know, on Christmas cards, there's a picture of a baby, and he's got like a ring around his head, and there's some sheep and goats and stuff like that. That's what I'm talking about. What do you know about that Jesus? Someone said, oh, yeah, Christmas. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we've heard of that. That's what you're talking about? Yeah, uh huh. What, what do you know about him? I couldn't, wouldn't tell me anything. Well, I'd been to seminary, so... I thought I'd tell him. So I said, well, once upon a time, that baby that we celebrate at Christmas time, once upon a time, way long time ago, he was God. And one of them looked at me and said, do you believe that? I said, oh, yeah. And, and, and as God, he made the whole universe. And someone else said, really? Said, oh, yeah. And he keeps it going. And he kept it until he, he, he left his role as the son of God. And he became one of us. He came all the way to us. And he was born. And that's the baby. It's God. And another one looked at someone else and they shook their head. And I knew it was going to be a long night. I should have quit. But I kept, I was young. So I said, and, and he loved everyone. He was perfect. And I explained a little bit how Jesus lived his life. And then I got to the cross and I thought, now this Catholic area, they'll know about this for sure. So, so I said, now, now you know what Good Friday's about, don't you? And one said, yeah, we get out of school half a day. I said, I know, but why? They didn't know. So I explained the cross and atonement and redemption, all those little words. And, and, and then, then I... I went on to Resurrection Day, Easter, and I started to ask them what Easter is, and I just told them, because, you know, and it wasn't going anywhere. They were looking at their watch, and so, kind of like some of you are. Um, no, not really. Thank you. I didn't see anybody looking at your watch. So, so then I should have quit, but I opened my Bible, and I said, do you know what this is? And they said, a book? I said, well, yeah, but a particular kind of book. Do you? Do you I said, it's a Bible. This, this book is a miracle. Just like that Jesus being raised from the dead was a miracle. Just like God creating the universe is a miracle. This book is a miracle because God helped people to write down what he wanted us to know about him and about ourselves and about our relationship with him and why we're made and where we're going. And so God actually had his message given to us. It's a supernatural book. And they were looking at their watches and wondering when I was going to quit and I said, you know, when I was a freshman in high school, my life was headed very much into being a mess. And my sister gave me one of these. And I started reading in the, what's a part called the New Testament, and it started talking about Jesus. And I got to know this Jesus I've been asking about, and my whole life was turned around. And one of the kids said, really? 
And they said, oh, yeah. You know, we overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And he said, oh, yeah. And, and, and someone else said, well, can we get one of those books? Somewhere? I said, oh, you can get them anywhere. So you know what those silly pagans did? They went out and bought Bibles and read them. Read them. And came back the next week and ruined my meeting. I mean, I had my principles and my practices to make disciples. They came back to the meeting. They'd been reading the Bible and they had a thousand questions and ruined my meeting with all their questions about the Bible. <laughs> that did my best to answer. You know what happened? They kept coming. They kept coming. Until a few weeks later, I got to start again. In the beginning. But God created us and we all ignored God. But then he sent his son. And his son got crucified, but he was resurrected. Then he sent his spirit to call all of us back into relationship that he made possible. And I explained the gospel to them. You know what happened that night? Six out of six became Christ followers. Now, yes, go ahead. That's good. Thank you. Bless you. And I didn't make it easy. I'm, I was this idealistic disciple guy because I understood that Jesus said, as you're going, make disciples. He didn't say make prayer re- people who pray a prayer after me. He said make disciples. So I understood that the invitation to receive Jesus meant that Jesus would be Lord. They would be, he would be their disciple or they would be his disciple. That means they'd watch him. They'd learn from him. He'd coach them. So I explained all that. I said, old things pass away. Everything becomes new. It used to be just you. Now Jesus by his spirit will come to dwell in you and he will guide you and Jesus is the head. You're not the head anymore. You submit to him and everything and he'll teach you how to, he'll even live his life through you and change you how you you treat your family. You don't go to your family for yourself. You go as a representative of Jesus. You go to work as a representative of Jesus. You go to school. And I just gave them the whole works. And you know what they said? Okay. There is a Holy Spirit. So, now I had some disciples. Baby disciples. But we had some disciples. So, I'm ready to go. And so, now we come to the meeting and guess what happens? Huh. I say, let's talk about Jesus. And whoof, off they go. They've been studying, thinking, talking about Jesus. Really look at their Bibles. And they go, they, I'm saying, stop, stop. We got to get on another question. I say, let's talk about what Jesus has been doing. And I taught them that the way to see what Jesus is doing is to look at the good things that are going on in their life and see the good things that's happened, see what's good going on. And we'll see God at work in and through them. And, and they got it. And they were pumped. And they would tell their story about what they would be. They would witness Jesus at work around them and in them and through them and then they became witnesses to each other as we listened to them tell their stories and we were having fun. It was church. I mean, we were and I told them it was church. You know, stinky. They they didn't know that we had a big building with an organ and a great preacher and a choir with robes. They didn't know that we did that on Sunday morning. They thought they were the only Christians in the world. I didn't tell them there are lots of churches. I, I, I told them this was a church and they believed me. So, so we, and then we'd open the Bible and, and I taught him how to listen to Jesus talk to him through scripture and just turn it in dialogue and that it was Jesus behind the words and listen, talk to a person, taught him that and they learned that. And then I said, okay, now, now you've been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but it's him in and through you. So as you go out, he wants to spend time with you because you're his disciple. That's what it means to be a Christian. And, and furthermore, he wants to live through you in your family. What, what do you think Jesus wants to do through you and your family this week? And, and we'd talk about it. I, I remember one lady... Oh, she was just a young 
young lady. She's about 23. She was brand new as could be. And <laughs> she had a problem. She would tell us about it with, you know, what Jesus wanted her to do for her husband and have any kids. And her problem was that, that they got in fights. I, I don't mean arguments. I mean, her husband would do something she didn't like. He'd say something she didn't like. She'd pop him in the mouth. I mean, she'd pow! She'd fill it up. And pow! And, and, and he didn't like that. So he'd pop her back. Pretty soon the police are there. These are my disciples. See? So, well, there we go. So we, we talked about what Jesus wanted to do through her for her husband that week. And, and we, you know, we prayed about it and we thought we had the leading of the Lord. We, we thought that he preferred for her to quit hitting him. So, so we agreed and we agreed to pray for her that this week she, you know, and, and so then next week we'd come back and we'd talk about Jesus. Then we'd talk about what Jesus got done through us all week long. And we'd come to the part, what Jesus got done through us in our families. And, and, and I'd look around the group and every time I'd get to her, her head would be down like this. And i oh boy. So how'd it go this week with your husband? Quiet. Um, bad week? Mm-hmm. What happened? You hit him again? Mm-hmm. Pray, put up, you know, remember last night? Put your arms around. Uh, okay, we need to talk. We need to talk. Let's talk about that. And so we'd work with it and pray. And, and, and then she'd say, okay, this week, by God's grace and your prayer, I'm, this week. Next week we'd come back and I'd look at her head down. Oh, boy. One night, though, getting ready to talk about what God got done through us in the family that week. And I said, how how the Lord live his life through you in the family this week? And she was looking at me. Her head was up. And I could tell something had happened. Her, her eyes were wide open. And it was like she couldn't wait for me to get to her. And I just went straight. I said, what happened? She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, I only hit him twice. <laughs> and we, oh, hey, we'll celebrate. See, see in, be, in this thing of being a Christian, it's not where you're at. It's which way you're pointed. Jesus way, 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 way up there. And if you've leveled off and you're just going this way, you're missing Jesus by a long way. See, but if you're aiming the right direction, she was aiming. <laughs> Ooh, and every Tuesday, whoop. See, we had to keep picking her up. That's discipling. Because she dropped her marbles a lot. Uh-huh. Inside speak. So, we were having fun. It was a great time. Uh, we, we talked to them about that they, they needed to, on purpose, pray for and love their lost friends. And they knew now what it meant to be lost because they'd been lost. And now they knew what it meant to be found. And, they were th- and so we coached them that they needed to, on purpose, reach out and fish for their, you know, love their neighbors. And, and so they were praying for them and loving them. And the, their friends started seeing a difference. And pretty soon, you know what happened? They started inviting their friends to come to the meeting because the friends... We'd say, what, what has happened to you? And you know what they said? Come and see. And they came. Because they'd been loved by people who'd been changed. So they, they started coming. The kids would call me. And they'd say, hey, I'm bringing, I'm bringing one of my friends tonight. And I'd say, good. And they'd say, can, can you tell them the gospel again? And I'd say, we're here to make disciples. I didn't say that. right? And, and they'd bring their friends and... And they'd want me to explain the gospel. And so, uh, okay, so here we go. In the beginning, God, and, you know, and G- we all fell, and Jesus came, and he lived righteously, and then he died, you know. And, and you know what? The eight became 16, became 30, became 40. And it wasn't long until 32 of them 
and entered the kingdom. We had a church. Had a church. This is called church planting. Something that happened all the time in the New Testament. The church that meets in your house. Remember that? See, it's just normal. That's how they did it. So, it, it was it was going good. And, and and these kids, they didn't have they didn't have the big Sunday morning deal with the organ and the choir robes and the preacher. They didn't know about that. They thought what we were doing was church. And they didn't have family. They didn't have it. They were the church. And they loved being together. Because they were, they were going uphill. They, they, but they'd, they'd met Jesus and they had faith in him. And if he said something, they trusted him. They, they, they understood that Christians obeyed Jesus. And he was saving their lives. They were seeing themselves being changed and transformed. And they loved. But they, but they didn't have anybody else until Tuesday night. And how they loved being together. They loved being together. You know what they started doing? They'd go straight from work to McDonald's and then come to the meeting. So they're getting there at 5, 5.15, 5.30. And you know what they did? As soon as they got there, they just did what they thought you do as Christians. They started talking about Jesus. Because that's what we did in church. We talked about Jesus. Who do you say Jesus is? And so they'd talk about Jesus. And then they'd report all that Jesus got done in them and through them and the things they'd committed to the previous week that we'd been praying for each other all week. And they'd, they'd give a report about what's happening. And, 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 and I didn't get there till 7 o'clock. And they'd be gone for an hour, an hour and a half. Huh. They, they didn't know that I was the pastor. I mean, who did they think they were? church without me. And, and so I got there and, and about time they, so we'd open our Bibles. I missed all the fun part and we'd open our Bibles and start saying that was fun. But and they, See, they just love being together. They love being together. One of, the, one of the new ones was named Barb. I'd love to tell her half hour story. But got to lead her to Jesus just after we saw the Lord deliver her from a demon which was totally unheard of by me. I didn't know what was going on. But she became a Christ follower. And, and she too had a husband who was far from Jesus. In fact, her husband was an absolute, according to her, just, just a terrible person. He, he, he was good enough that he was going to Drexel University, putting himself through college, master's degree, to be an engineer. But his job, was, he was a drug dealer. I don't mean he worked for Walgreens. He, he sold drugs on the street. And he was good at it. Because houses in Philadelphia are expensive. He had a pretty nice house. But to listen to Barb, he was really a challenge. And they had their tensions. And so Barb became a Christ follower. And when we say, now, what do you think Jesus wants to do through you and your family? She said, well, I know what. His name was Danny. And she said, he, Jesus wants me to tell Danny that he is a dirty, rotten sinner. And if he doesn't turn around, he's going to hell. We thought about that a while. We thought, well, maybe it'd be better for you to show him what's different about you than tell him what's wrong with him. She thought and thought maybe that was probably all right. And so she agreed. And she said, well, what do I need to do? And he said, well, things like love, serve, give, honor. She said, you're kidding. Yeah. Is that in the Bible? Oh, yeah. And then I, then I committed the great one. Submit. What does that mean? It is. Ah, uh, Jesus wants me to submit. Okay. 
So we'd pray for her. And each week, she'd come back. We'd say, how'd it go this week? She told Jesus, help me be kind when I was so mad at him. We made progress. Week by week, she'd tell the progress of what God was doing in her as she was learning to love her neighbor. Well, I knew I had 32 new converts. I knew I was supposed to baptize them in water. So we didn't have a baptistry in our church. You have one here? You probably do. But we we didn't have one back then over there. We didn't have one. But we had a guy in the church who had a swimming pool. And so, so I... I asked him, could we use your swimming pool for a baptism service? Sure. So then I got to thinking about it. You know, we had church on Sunday night back then, and, and I thought, maybe we should have the baptism service on Sunday night and cancel service in the big church the kids at the little church didn't know anything about. I said, maybe we should cancel big church on Sunday morning, I mean on Sunday night, invite all the big church to come to the baptism service. Because I'd been telling big church about the great stories, and they loved it. Big church was excited about that. That was great. And so I thought, if we canceled Sunday night and have big church come, then maybe, maybe little church would find out that there's more than just Tuesday night. And maybe they'll come to big church if they find out about it and find out, because they love going to church. They think it's great. And so maybe big church, they get acquainted, big church would invite them to come and they might come. And I got thinking about it. Ooh, what happens if they come to big church? And it's not like your church. But why doesn't they come to big church and they find out people don't get there an hour and a half early? In fact, they're usually late. Well, when they get there, not your church. But when they get there, they don't talk about Jesus. In fact, they talk about everything but Jesus. And they don't give a report about what Jesus got done through them that week. And they've got all kinds of Bibles at home, but they don't ever read them. Not your church. They're talking about, you know, those other guys. Okay. What happens if they find out big church people don't take time to let the Holy Spirit guide them? with the support of each other, what the Lord wants to do with them alone, what He wants to do through them and their family, what He wants to do through them with lost people, what He wants to do through the, for the church. What, what happens? They find out that everything I've been telling about church, big church doesn't do. And I thought, I better not invite them. Better just have my little baptism service. But then I changed my mind. I'm not sure why. So I decided to invite big church. So I told big church, we're going to have a baptism service two weeks from Sunday night. We'd love to have you. You want to? You're welcome to come. We'd love to have you. Guess what? All of big church came. And all the little church with their families and their friends came to the baptism. And the swimming pool was, was at the end of a cul-de-sac in New Jersey. And there was about a hundred more cars than could begin to fit. And we clogged up everything. And there is a God who blinds the lies of the, of the law. In New Jersey, they don't like you clogging up. But we didn't get stopped. That was a miracle. Well, we're just about ready to start the baptism service. Just about ready. And all of a sudden, I hear this sound. Any idea what it was? Pasta! I jumped. It was Barb. Now, you remember who Barb is? She's the wife of Danny, the drug dealer. I said, Barb, what's up? She said, Danny's here. I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. I mean, I'd heard about Danny. I heard what he did. I mean, I had a picture of him, about nine feet tall, red face, horns, fangs, tail. I mean, I knew about Danny. And, and, I, oh, and, and he, she stepped back there. He was a good-looking guy, big guy, but he's a good-looking guy. He reached out his hand. He said, Pastor Hell, nice to meet you. And I said, oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> and, and so we started the service. Now, I made a big mistake. I told him, we had 32 of them. I told him, now, now what you need to do 
is you need to tell a little bit about your life before Jesus, and then tell how you started a relationship with Jesus, and a little bit about what's happened since then. But I forgot to give him a time limit. First person, 20 minutes. Second one already had the cue, 25 minutes. It might have been the longest baptism service in history. And when the sun was coming, no, not really, but it was a long service. Well, well, anyhow, I get out, and, and I'm, like a, you know, I'm like a prune, and I'm trying to iron out the wrinkles. Oh, you, you know how that is? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, trying to, and, and all of a sudden, guess what I hear? Pasta! I jumped up. You know who it was? Danny. Danny? He said, I want to be baptized. And I thought to myself, well, you haven't been through my baptism class. <laughs> but, but I did think, and I told him, well, Danny, you've got to understand it. To become a baptism is a, is a covenant relationship. You're, getting to, you're going to be married to God forever and ever. And, and what it means is old things pass away. Everything becomes new. Your whole life changes. It used to be just you. Now it's Jesus and you. And he's the head. He calls the shots. And, and your whole life changes. He said, I know. I said, how do you know? He said, I've been watching Barb. <laughs> she was baptizing him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make sense? Everybody inside speak last night. So, so, I'm thinking, well, uh, he needed some good theology if he's going to be a Christian. Right? So, I, I get ready again one more time. In the beginning, God. And man fell, and Jesus came, and he lived perfectly. I just about had Jesus on the cross, and he said, I know. I said, how do you know? He said, I just heard 32 people go through those four steps. Uh, oh, they did, didn't they? I, I couldn't think of anything to do other than baptize him. It's one of the great nights of our life. And I told you it was a good story. I've got bad ones. Not all stories are come out looking perfect. So, Tuesday night, guess where Danny is? At the fixer-upper. You know how much space there is left? That much. One square inch, really, almost. And he sits right there in front of me. Right there. And he's a big guy. So I'm sitting on a little ledge. He's sitting on the floor, and he's right there. And that's where Danny sat for weeks. And he had a lot of inertia going this way, but his will was set, and he made a commitment to go that way with Jesus. And it was a slow, and then to, and he two steps backward, and eight and forward, and eight steps. And but he he kept on, he kept on, and finally I I saw that he was deeply committed. He was quick to grasp things, and so so one night after the meeting, I I asked Danny, I said, would you would you be willing to to talk with me for a while? And so. We went outside, everybody else still inside talking. And I said, now, do you know what I'm doing in this meeting? He said, yeah, you're, you're helping us be disciples of Jesus. I said, yeah, that's right. I said, now, when Jesus was here, his last great command was that, that, that his disciples were to make disciples. What they were to do, they were to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey everything. And one of the things that Jesus commanded was that we're to make disciples. We're to teach them to make disciples. And so what that means is, I'll be disobedient to Jesus if I only make disciples. I've got to take those that I'm discipling. I've got to help them to make disciples. I've got to not only make disciples, but I've got to make disciple makers or else I'm being disobedient to Jesus. I said, does that make sense? He said, of course. Silly new Christians. They just get it. 
And, and, and so I said, well, the reason I'm talking to you is I've been watching you. And you've really, you've really grasped what I'm trying to do. You're committed to what I want you to be committed to. And you're making progress on it. And far from perfect, but you're going the right direction. So I'd like to know, would you be willing to let me work with you and spend time with you to help you not only be a disciple, but take the next big step in being a disciple, which is to make disciples? You know what he said? Okay. He was busy. So he said, what do we do? I said, well, how about on Thursday night? You've been praying for some, your friends, remember, and you've been loving. Why don't you invite them to come to your house in Philadelphia? And I'll come over, and what we'll do is we'll plant a church in your house, just like we're doing here on Tuesday nights. And we'll plant a church there, and you bring your friends. But now, instead of you participating as a disciple, learning how to relate to Jesus, you watch me how I help other people relate to Jesus, so you'll not be working on being a disciple, you'll be watching me to learn how to make disciples. Does that make sense? He said, oh, yeah. Okay, good. What else? And I'm not going to take time to tell you what else. It's just a little bit of working on theology, curriculum and stuff. So so, so we did it. And he, he brought them, and I came, and started pretty soon Danny was leading the whole meeting. I, oh, I, I told him, after a while, I'll have you lead, and I'll stay there, and I'll help you, and I'll coach you, I'll make sure you're okay. And it wasn't long until Danny was leading the whole meeting. Brand new to Jesus. He was discipling them. They were brand new and he was making disciples. Well, it wasn't very long until Debbie and I got a call to leave New Jersey and go to North Idaho. And uh, we turned it down just like that. Five months later, they called again with an argument about why it, we prayed about and we thought the Lord wanted us to go to North Idaho, which we did. It was terrifying to leave we had all kinds of little churches planted all over. <laughs> but we thought the Lord wanted us to go for good reasons for the kingdom. So we left. Two years later, I'm sitting in my office. Secretary buzzes me, pick up the phone. She says, there's a pastor from Illinois, told me the city. He wants to talk to you. I didn't know who he was, so Hello? He introduced himself. He'd gone to seminary like I did three years beyond, grad, I mean beyond undergraduate school and pastoring a fairly large church for our tribe at that time, about 350 people. So, you know, pretty, I mean, it was a strong church then. And, and, and so, so he's talking to me, and after a while, he says, well, well, a few weeks ago, a new couple came to our church. I said, really? He said, yeah, their name's Danny and Barb. I said, Danny and Barb Tiska? He said, yeah. I said, oh. Why, why, how'd they get there? He said, oh, he got an engineering job in town, and, th and they came to our church. I said, ooh, that's good. And he, I said, oh, oh, they'll help you. I said, no, they're rough. They're really rough. I said, but, but they'll, help, they'll be a great help to the church. Oh, they already are. I said, oh, they are? How's that? He said, do you know, they come to church early every week, and there's no one there. So they spend their time praying and cleaning the church and they bring donuts. And when people come, they come up to them and they hug them and they tell them how they love them, how glad they are to see them. They start telling them all about what Jesus means, what Jesus had done in that week. I said, oh, that's so good. I won't tell you why the tears because it's a long backstory. What could have happened to Danny and Barb? So he said, oh, yeah, he said, they talk, and do you know what? He said, in just a few weeks, do you know there's all kinds of people in our church, they've started talking about Jesus as if he were a real person, as if he were there. And, and I said, oh, 
that's great, that's good. And I said, oh, I'm so glad to hear that, and I'm so happy. And I was probably weeping then. And he said, well, last Sunday, Danny came up to me, and he asked a question. I said, oh, yeah, what's that? He said, well, he asked me if we had a discipling ministry in our church. I said, oh, what would you say? Pastor said, well, of course we do. And Danny asked him, well, what, what do you do? Danny said, uh, the pastor said, well, well, I preach, and we have Sunday school classes, and we play volleyball, and we have potlucks. And Danny said, oh, I don't mean all that. The pastor said, well, what do you mean? Danny said, well, pasta. Do you understand that, that when Jesus left, he gave a great commission? And in so doing, he said, now I want you guys to do for others what I've done for you. That means you go and you make disciples, you bring them into the kingdom, then you love them and you love them and you coach them and you coach them until they're obeying everything that Jesus says and they're obeying all that Jesus said. And one of the things Jesus said and commanded was that we make disciples. And if we don't have a process in our church where somehow at the center, starting at the beginning, people are being coached and coached and coached until they're making disciples, we're being disobedient as a church. I said, oh, brother, what'd you say? pastor said, well, I told him I had never thought of it that way. I said, well, what do you think? He said, well, I asked Danny. I said, well, what would you ask him? I said, well, Danny, what, what do you think we ought to do? And Danny said, well, I'll start it. And pastor said, well, how would you start? Danny said, oh, I'd disciple you. I'm embarrassed. I say, I'm so sorry. Danny doesn't understand about masters of divinity degrees. He doesn't understand church boards and district advisory boards. and He doesn't understand anything about institutional church. And I got interrupted. Pastor sobbing. His words. I've never had anybody disciple me. Do you think it would be okay if... Danny discipled me. And it just took almost an hour to tell you a story with one point. My point is this. If Danny, the drug dealer who'd never heard of Jesus, could see a change in his wife, so much so that he went to her baptism, and he heard 31 others like her tell their story, so much so that the Holy Spirit convicted him, so much so that he wanted to be baptized and join these strange, weird people who follow Jesus. And then he got discipled for not very long, a few months in a stinky fixer-upper with a large group. And then he was selected to be coached not only to be a disciple, but to make disciples. If, if drug dealer Danny, with a little help, the Holy Spirit, and the church, and the Word, could become a disciple-making Danny, how about us? This is normal church. Biblical. We got a lot of other things that we do. I'm not here to criticize one thing, tear down one thing. I'm here to say Jesus made disciples. I think he probably knew what he was doing. And he commanded us to do what he did. 
And we've lost her for 1,700 years in the main, not entirely by a long shot, but in most of our traditional churches. We need to come to grips with doing church a little closer to the way Jesus did it and commanded it to be done. And it's not easy. And it takes almost a wild man to lead it. You can say amen. That's why I beg you to pray for your pastor. Do you have any idea the pressure I put on him? But it's not to have one bit of pressure from me. It's got to be strictly between the Holy Spirit and him. And I pray that he'll have some comrades with him. That'll pray with him and help him test what he's hearing. And that when, if he ever starts something, probably you'll never even know about it. Because I beg pastors, don't start an all-church thing. Start small. Start slow. Feel quietly. But just work with one or two. Just work with them. Help them. Work with them until they can work with others. And then coach them. Pretty soon the two will become four and the four will become eight. And if you'll multiply quality, God will take care of the quantity. See, my conviction. Jesus said, make disciples. I'll build the church. Would you pray for your pastor? Would you? Here's a big deal. When I stand before Jesus, honestly, he's not going to ask me a lot of questions. We ask each other about what our church is like. He's going to ask me, did you love me with all your heart? Did you love your neighbors? Did you make disciples? Love, love, help others to love, love. Teach them to help others to love, love. It's all about love. That's about relationship. Well, tonight, remember that Jesus called Peter, James, and John and the others to be with him. And he discipled them for three years, nonstop almost, before he said, now what I've done for you, I want you to do for others. It's a process. You understand? But we need to get on board. We need to start in, the, start in the process. We need to be moving the right direction. And, and I want to say for you to be a disciple of Jesus, before you, before, and I don't even know where you're at, but, but for those of you who may be the least mature, can I challenge you, first, would you, to be Jesus' disciple, would you commit, would you set your will to spend quite a bit of time with him? That's how you be Jesus' disciple, spend time with him. And that's what we've been working on in these meetings, just being discipled by Jesus. And could you commit could you make a holy resolve that you're going to just work at letting the Spirit of God lead you instead of you doing what you think and you want what I talked about Sunday morning? You're going to determine to bring your thoughts captive into obedience to Jesus. You're going to defer to Him, not letting you, what you think and what you feel and want you govern you, but Jesus, what do you want? Could we make a holy resolve? That, that's not a promise of perfection. That's a promise of intention. But if it's there, we'll make progress. Make sense? Could you even tonight make a holy resolve that if the opportunity is afforded to you as you are determined to be brought along however your church does it, that when you're being coached and invited to help others, that you say, if you'll coach me, I'll plant a church in my house or whatever the form is. The forms don't matter. We just got to do the real thing. Can we make holy resolves to that tonight? I love your church. I love the quality of response. Thank you. Can we move 
slow, be steady. Let me ask you tonight, if you've never heard this kind of an altar call, if your answer to Jesus is, Jesus, I am determined to be your disciple. I set my will to be your disciple. Spend time with you. Learn to walk with you all day. Get the help I need to do that. Even get help to make disciples, which is a part. If you tonight have heard the Holy Spirit call you, and you're saying, yes, would you tell the Lord, so it's between you and the Lord, that you will somehow contact your pastor and let him know that you want, you're determined to be a disciple of Jesus. Now that's not giving him a job assignment. That's just you making him aware of your resolve to grow as Jesus' disciple. And that gives him a fill. And I pray that he will not allow that to pressure him, but to help him to pray. Because if God talks to you, He'll talk to him, and it'll work out. There is a Holy Spirit, okay? So tonight, I could ask you to come to the altar. I could have you stand, raise your hand, whatever. But I ask you, will you take responsibility? If the Lord's called you and your answer is yes, would you also tell the Lord, and I'll tell my pastor? And it might, who knows how many years it'll take. That'll give him a sense of where to go. Is that fair? Jesus, thank you for this wonderful group of people. Thank you for their faithfulness, their attentiveness. Holy Spirit, will you help them right now to respond to whatever it is you've said to them tonight or this week? Bless you. Revival just means returning to life. Viva life. If, if we're walking with Jesus, we don't need to be revived with that life. But if we drift 